CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Tuesday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. We're glad you've joined us as we get together every weekday at this time, answering questions about the Bible from the Bible, looking at current events in our world, and there's many of them. And what we hear in church, is it even in the Bible at all? So if you got a Bible question you'd like to ask us, we're here to help you do that very thing as you share your faith, read your Bible. Maybe you come across something you don't understand. That's why we like to make ourselves available every weekday afternoon. 8888-ASK-CSN is the number to call, and you can be part of the program today. Joining me today, we have a special guest, Dr. Ted Bear from MovieGuide.org. MovieGuide.org reviews uh, Christian movies as well as secular movies. Uh, and let you know how many cuss words there are, if it's uh, not appropriate, uh, things like this. And it's been really invaluable. If you have children, it's probably one of the greatest websites you can write down because uh, it'll keep uh, keep those images from being burned into your children's mind uh, in these days we live. Dr. Ted Bear, so good to have you with us. It's great to be with you. And um it looks like you're having a great day in Hawaii. <laughs> this is this is nice. Yeah, it's, it's pretty um, out here in Camarillo, California, too. No, so. yeah, any anywhere along the coast there is pretty nice, so it's good. But uh, no, uh, Ted, just give us a little bit of your background there. Uh, what you're doing, you know, movie recommendations for the family, those kinds of things. Well. You know, I grew up in the entertainment industry, whether you know that or not. My parents were superstars in the 30s. My, What does that mean? That means my father did 62 movies that he starred in and won the box office award in 1936 before the Academy Awards became a, a blip on the map. And uh, my mother was a, just a superstar in a couple of really big movies. And then after World War II, my father did Broadway, but I grew up as a uh, Broadway Hollywood brat, and I was very liberal and very um, just absolutely loony. My mother died when I was 13 going on 14. So I went off the deep end and and after many years of really bad behavior that I won't talk about on your show, um, there were four women. One of them was interested in my father. They'd all come to Christ through Billy Graham. They were all uh, very wealthy, Long Island movie, women. And they he would take me to these Christian events that they'd drag him to and I'd leave early and say, these people are crazy. And then I became one and realized they were crazy. And uh, and so one of the women just said, why don't you read the Bible and tell me what's wrong with it? So after months of protesting, I read the Bible. My <laughs> life turned around. Um, I got married to my wife a, a week later. And my whole life became a blessing. And I went to a uh, mainline cemetery in New York. No, seminary. That's what you call it. It's not a cemetery. <laughs> and so... Uh, I've done theology for a long time. I've done all of that good stuff. Uh, but I knew very little before I got involved. And then God uh, had us do this ministry. What happened was I had financed five feature films before I'd come to Christ. And then uh, 
once I came to Christ, I had this burning desire to see what we could do to redeem the media. And I met the man who had been head of the Protestant Film Commission. And during the 1920s, uh, don't go see the movie Babylon. Movies were very debauched and the world was very debauched. And uh, the Protestant Film Office came around in 1933 and they cleaned up the Protestant and Catholic Film Office were united. And they cleaned up Hollywood within a few years. And you had a hundred percent, you went from, you know, mostly debauched films to a hundred percent family films. And then in the 1960s, the Protestant Film Commission closed. Uh, the head of Paramount Pictures, a Jewish man, very nice man. I knew him said, if you take the salt to the meat, the meat's going to rot. So within three years of closing, it went from a hundred percent family films like uh, The Sound of Music and The Greatest Story Ever Told About Jesus to the first X-rated film, the first Sex and Satan. And so the church left. Hollywood went downhill. When I heard of that story, I inherited all the files from the Protestant Film Office, and we started that work. And we've um, had tremendous blessings in the work. And, uh, you know, we now reach between 46 million and 83 million people online and in radio and TV and all that stuff per month, which is pretty good. And we um, we have a lot of people in Hollywood that uh, come to our big gala. We give out awards for movies with faith and values and not necessarily the ones that you would label a Christian, but the big movies. Um, we review 100% of the movies and we look at them in terms of 150 criteria. When I put myself through seminary, I was head of the department at uh, City University of New York. And we got 60 professors together to develop the first media literacy course. Uh, so we look at movies in terms of, uh, you know, I do, in terms of ontology, epistemology, semantics, and tactics, and all those little elements that make uh, it clear. For instance, you often have, uh, you can have a movie that has a positive statement about Christ, but it doesn't have a biblical ontology. And if you're a materialist, ontological materialist, that means you believe reality is just matter, that like the communists, then it doesn't matter if they kill Ukrainians. Or if you're a nominalist, like the Hindus that are kill killing Christians, uh, then you're an ontological nominalist, and it doesn't matter because they're just an illusion. So the ontology is the key element Then the epistemology. We have a revealed religion. So it's all very important. We we look at a, every movie from that perspective, and then we help people unpack uh, what's good and bad and make the decisions. And uh, we want children to develop wisdom. I've taught media wisdom since 1978. So it's it's been very successful in many different parts of the world. No, oh, that's wonderful. It's a great, great thing to uh, help others, especially many people don't know the history of how Hollywood did slide so hard away from family values. And now our country and the world is reaping this terrible, um, terrible harvest of violence and dishonesty. And uh, I really believe that, again, it, it contributes a lot to what the Bible says, Satan is the prince of the power of the air. And certainly we, we, we I think we have uh, some uh, absolute stunning examples of that. So yeah, well, we'll, we, if you got any questions about a good movie or a bad movie, you can go to movieguide.org, movieguide.org. And there you can uh, look up uh, different movies, things like that. I think you'll really enjoy that. Well, let's go ahead, uh, Dr. Barry and go to uh, Christopher Springfield, Oregon. Hi, welcome. Hi, and thank you for taking my call. 
I just wanted to get some, I had a question on that scripture that uh, Jesus said to uh, people that were, I guess, trying to enter heaven. He said, depart from me. I never knew you, who you that that practice, practice iniquities. And this is something that I really tried to adhere to is not practicing iniquities, but I wanted to get your your opinion and clarification on that scripture. Well, I think immediately when I look at that verse, I think of an example in out of Book of Acts, we have the seven sons of Sceva. And they were vagabond exorcists that were going around casting demons out of people. And they came to this one guy and they said that the Jesus whom Paul teaches, we adjure you. And the demon replied, Jesus we know, and Paul we know, but who are you? And it says this man, possessed, leaped on these guys, tore their clothes off, and last we find, uh, they're left running naked. So uh, it is possible to do things uh, in the name of Jesus and the name of God without knowing God. And I believe that oftentimes the the uh, motive is either pride or money or maybe popularity sometimes. We see a, a lot of this kind of stuff go on in the Christian world and in the TV Christian world especially, you know. And, and so uh, doing things that really, in a way, resemble what Jesus was doing but with completely the wrong heart, wrong motive. Your thoughts, Dr. Bear? Well, you're right. I mean, the question is, how does this apply to uh, the entertainment industry? And that's a very interesting question because um, there have been over 200 that we've reviewed, going back to 1897, of movies about Jesus. And then there have been all the allegorical movies which go on top of that and quite often like people will tell me their favorite movie about jesus is you know the the jesus film let's say which i introduced john Heyman, who was jewish who was making that series on the bible the genesis project to bill bright and they cut out the jesus film but john was a, a committed uh, jewish man and then jesus and Nazareth. people will tell me you know that was terrific but it was funded by Cody Fahed, who of course was Muslim, and and it was written by uh, an atheist, and it was uh, directed by a bisexual. So, you know, the the history of those movies, I mean, once upon a time, it was at a conference, and a man said to me, uh, you know, I came to Christ uh, through Chariots of Fire. He said, who was it? Well, that was another movie that Dodi Fahed had funded, and it was written by an atheist, and et cetera, so... You know, God can raise up stones just to affirm what you said. And uh, then the question comes in, uh, just where does the, you know, the, the uh, Ten Commandments come in on any of those and how do you apply them? Probably the people who are most Christian and have reached the most people in the movie industry, Cecil B. DeMille, his father was a pastor and he used to read a passage from the Old Testament and the New Testament and history every day. So when he made... Uh, King of Kings, and he made Ten Commandments. He was he was really dedicated to doing it right. 
So, yeah, uh, I hope that hope that answers it for you, Christopher. Yeah, I had one other quick question, if, okay. if you may. I, sure. And I don't have a verse in front of me, but it basically says some will receive few stripes and others will receive many stripes. And I'm not sure if this is referring to different levels of hell or if there will actually be beatings in heaven. I do not know. I don't understand. Well, I don't believe there'll be any beatings in heaven. But I do believe, as Raul Reese and some of the other speakers that we have here on CSN, it appears that there will be degrees of punishment in eternity in hell. Now, uh, I think all of the lake of fire forever is bad enough. But you have to remember, there are people who deliberately misled people. You think of somebody that started a cult. Maybe there was only 27, 30 members when it started. Now there's millions, all because of a lie. I think about those that uh, are involved with evolution. You know, one time, well, maybe it could have been believable, but now that we have DNA and RNA research, we know everything reproduces after its own kind. There are no transmutations. There are always going to be mutations, big cats, small cats, but horses don't turn into giraffes. And there is no fossil record for this, and there's no living examples for this. And so when people continue to teach a lie, to talk people out of their faith, oh, the Bible is just a big bunch of stories that were written. Uh, I, I believe that the people that deliberately uh, rebelled against God, you look at people down through, you look at Joseph Stalin, Adolf Hitler, Mao Zedong, these men were responsible for killing millions and millions and millions of people. I believe um, I believe there is going to be uh, many stripes for for such people as that. It's all hell. It's all torment. It's all eternal separation. Doctor Ted, your thoughts? Well, this is far, far, far away from the entertainment world. Um, you know, in terms of the first thing that comes to my mind, and you probably don't want to consider it is that people keep asking me every day or so, when is uh, Mel Gibson doing the resurrection? And uh, the resurrection actually is the, uh, from the way they've constructed it is based on on, uh, Catholic apocalyptic uh, literature. And it's about the, the two and a half days in hell that Jesus spends there. So it's sort of like Dante's Inferno. Um, And, uh, you know, it takes a great deal of imagination how much it has to do with the reality of the biblical mandate. I doubt it very seriously. So, you know, people have speculated ever since, uh, you know, the beginning of Christianity and what, what good it does. We'll, we'll find out in, in heaven. Amen. So um, I hope that answers for you, Christopher. That does help me out a lot. And I, I really thank you. And I got, May God bless you and your staff and your show. Well, amen. And I got some books and DVDs for you. But just real quickly again, there's no punishment in heaven. Jesus took all of our sin on the cross. And that is so important to remember. And then the Bible says he wipes away every tear from our eyes. I don't see anybody in heaven giving people tears. I see Jesus taking away our tears. So, 
Uh, stay on line, Christopher. We'll get those out to you. Let's go to Jackie, New Mexico. Hi, welcome. Good afternoon, and God bless CSN. I love this station. I have it on 24-7. Okay, my question is about The Chosen. I was listening one afternoon, and um, somebody was making a comment about there being Mormon uh, teaching in there. I have not personally ever seen the show, and I don't see myself watching it at all. But um, I opened my mouth at church to one of the ladies, and I'm new at this church, and she got really upset at me that I had made that comment that I heard that there was some Mormon content, but I couldn't back it up. I couldn't it's, say it's, exactly it's, what had well, Jackie, happened. It's an- and- Jackie, it's in it's in series three, uh, episode eight, where Jesus in the movie says, I am the law. Now, the producer of that program uh, has a, a reason why it's in there. Nevertheless, that is not in the Bible. And in fact, if Jesus is a law, we're still under the law of Moses. There's a real problem theologically here. I don't look at things perhaps the same way that Dr. Ted Baird does in that, you know, you know, Ted, you're looking for, uh, you know, profanity, not family friendly stuff. I'm looking at it. No, we, yeah, but we look deeper than that. We look, we look for ontology and epistemology. So we look for the same things that you look at. Now the question is, how do you answer those questions? And, you know, where do you leave off? You've got a very, you know, if we wanted to get into a lot of difficult territory, we could get into the whole nature of Jesus films. We do that. And I did a whole history of Jesus films in the year 2000. <laughs> you've got you've got a tremendous problem because the church has always been objecting to images of Christ. And uh, where do we put the images of Christ? And that brought the, the division between the Eastern and Western church. So here you've got. Every movie that's ever been done, including the Jesus film, which was done by my friend John Heyman, uh, has by the added way, material because excellent the, movie. We give that away here. Uh, everybody that calls in, we give good. that movie to the movie Jesus. I'm glad it was done by a good friend of mine, John Heyman. His son, David Heyman, is the one who does the Harry Potter series. <laughs> I've known them all. I've known David since he was a little boy. But, the, you know, a lot of things that John put in there, the Jesus film, because it's not a script. You know, the Gospel of Mark is not a script. And to make it into a script, you've got to add material. And the question is, one, what is the nature of iconography? What is the nature of having an image of Jesus? And some of those Jesus films, he's extremely divine, uh, such as the Max von Sydow greatest story ever told and in some of them he's extremely human and that's what i look at with uh, the chosen whether it's going to lean toward the more human presentation of jesus now the last two episodes lean toward the divinity but of course in mormon whatever you call it because it's not theology uh jesus is just the god of this world so we move out of being divine, the creator of all creation, king of kings, lord of lords, in the beginning was the word and all that. So you've got a lot of areas that you can pick apart here. What we do uh, instead of that is we unpack all of it, and then we say, now you 
be the judge because the people, uh, you know, I've taught cognitive development theory and media literacy for a long time and just dealing with people, you've got to help them get to the point that they can make wise decisions. Uh, it sounds like your caller is headed toward that point, but it's a very slippery slope of how do you get and define it. And Dallas Jenkins is a friend and he's uh, a very nice guy and he assures everybody that he's not going to go off the deep end. I'd say more of the deep end is, is it going to be Arianism? Is it going to be more of a human Christ and less of a divine Christ? And how do you deal with, uh, you know, Jesus being fully God and fully man? And as you know, because you do theology all the time, that's one of the leading sources of heresy since the beginning of the church is whether it's uh, fully God or fully man or whether it's both and. And the both and is very difficult for people, and it's extremely difficult to portray in a movie. So there you go. Well, and and, and Jackie, what I can tell you, the first series um, was, was pretty good. It's where series two and three come along, where Jesus is preparing for the Sermon on the Mount, rehearsing the Sermon on the Mount. His mother says to him in the movie, you're a good son. This is what it says in the movie. Jesus then says to Mary, save your compliments for tomorrow in case I mess up in front of the crowd. That paints Jesus as a very unsure person. Meanwhile, there's four women trying to dress Jesus for the Sermon on the Mount while the disciples are building the stages for Jesus to do his performance on. Now, this is where I have trouble. Because it also portrays Matthew of having some kind of a disease like Arschberger's or something like that. James, I believe, is a cripple. And yet Jesus healed everybody he came in contact with. So it is a considerably different Jesus than we find in the Bible. Now, one of the things the Bible does warn about, another gospel. I had a lady come up to me in church about a year ago and say, what disease did Matthew have? I didn't know what she was talking about, but she picked that up from watching the movie. Now, here's the problem. If you know the Bible, you're not swayed by this, no harm, no foul. But if you don't know the Bible, you begin to believe what you see is what the Bible says. Only 10% of the chosen is biblical. Everything else is uh, artistic um, uh, freedoms that they have taken. Now, I don't believe the Bible is that hard to understand, and you never see the Bible ever paint Jesus in a a lesser state where he's going and asking the disciples what should he do. These are all very wonky things. Now, some people, maybe it doesn't bother you, but that's not my Jesus. And again, the Bible says we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, not artistic uh, freedoms that people take. Now, as I've said before, is it better than, than, you know, the other junk that's on TV? Well, yeah, probably. But again, you have to be very careful. It isn't the 99 good jelly beans that will get you. It's the ones that were dropped in the rat poison that ended up in the jar. That's what I'm concerned about. Because if you begin to believe that Jesus had to rehearse his Sermon on the Mount, if you begin to believe that, that, uh, Jesus would heal everybody, but he wouldn't heal his own disciples. And by the way, the very thought 
of Matthew having a disease like that working for the Roman government is absurd. The Roman government only had the healthiest, wealthiest, uh, you know, because you represented the Roman government to the people. They wouldn't have somebody uh, sitting at the receipt of customs with some kind of a, a physical ailment. And so we know that that's just not accurate. But again, uh, we just have to be very, very careful with that. Um, if a person watches it, I think if you watch it, understanding that what you're seeing is about 10% of the Bible, the rest is artists, then I think it's okay. If you believe what you're seeing is the Bible, you're going to be sorely misled. And Paul warns about preaching another Jesus, a Jesus that has to rehearse his sermons, a Jesus that has to be dressed by four women, a Jesus that has to have a stage to teach off of, a Jesus that won't heal his own disciples. When it starts adding up, we start running in. Again, the first series, none of these issues were really there. But as the series progress, then we find Jesus saying, I am the law. Jesus never said he was the law. He said that he was the fulfillment of the law. All the righteous requirements of the law for us to go to heaven were fulfilled in Jesus Christ, something we could never do. But Jesus was not the law. Now, again, they have an excuse of the way it got in there. I don't care about the excuse. What I'm saying is that line is in there, and that is not what the Scripture says. However, it is found in the Book of Mormon, in the Book of Nephi, chapter 3. So these are things that concern me when I see that uh, when Jesus was 12 years old, he got lost from his parents, as an example. Uh, They looked for him, and they found Jesus in the temple. The Bible says, did you not know that I would be about my father's business? They changed that and said, did you not know that I would be in my father's house? There's a big difference. Because to exemplify and build up a building, a temple, where the Bible says God will not dwell in buildings made with men's hands, uh, I, I believe being about your father's business is a whole lot different than just showing up in a building. But this is what you see through there. A little tweak here, a little tweak there. And I believe you can come to the wrong conclusion. So I think you just have to watch it like anything else. By the way, the movie Jesus, um, I got need need to ask you something real quick, uh, Ted. The movie Jesus that they got the movie Jesus from was a six hour, five to six hour book of Luke. Do you remember that? I, I was there in the beginning as John Heyman started to do the Genesis Project. He was taking yeah. the whole Bible and turning it into a visual. It was wonderful. He says, John said that only 60% of the movie, Jesus movie, is biblical. There's 40% that's not biblical. And we can go over that in great detail, yes. too. Coming and up on the break, wonder, we'll be right what back. What do you want? If you are 65 or older... You know this. Watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on healthcare costs is so frustrating. But here's some great news. If you miss the December 7th deadline for open enrollment, it's not too late. Here's something that can really help. It's MediShare 65+. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's healthcare bills. It's people who encourage and pray for each other, too. MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B. And it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. 
Plus, it's easy. You can use any Medicare-approved doctor or get 24-7 telehealth access from the comfort of your home. So worth looking into. MediShare 65 Plus is open for enrollment. And if you join right now, before January 31st, your second month will be free. So don't miss this chance. Call 833-90-SHARE. That's 833-90-SHARE. 833-90-SHARE. This Sanctity of Life Month, we honor the over 63 million babies whose lives have been tragically ended through abortion since Roe. Sadly, with the abortion pill accounting for over 50% of all abortions, babies' lives are at even greater risk. But in the midst of this darkness, there is a light that shines. Preborn has rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion and is the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the country. When I heard her heartbeat, I decided to keep her. And now my daughter's about to be three. I don't know where my life will be without her. Preborn shares babies' heartbeats and the gospel of Jesus Christ to help moms choose life for their baby and for their soul. To learn more about the life-saving work of Preborn, call 855-668-BABY. That's 855-668-BABY or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. All gifts are tax-deductible. Your love can save a life. Welcome you back to part two of Every Man and Answer here on this Tuesday afternoon. I'm your host, Mike Kessler. With me, I have Ted Bear from MovieGuide.org. MovieGuide.org, great place to go uh, when you uh, need to know the real facts about a particular movie or whatever. We were speaking with Jackie when we went to the break. And Jackie, I hope that answers your question for you. It has. Um, I just needed to have something to refer to since I have not seen it, nor I have any desire to, because I really feel that we're not supposed to add or take away. And in this day and age with so much uh, the word of God being translated improperly, I'm very concerned about this. And I'm in a new church. And um, this this was not good for me to open my mouth about since I hadn't seen it, I guess. And um, it's it's taken its toll now that I've... It, it is. It is. And the problem is people are believing what they're seeing on TV rather than the Bible. That is a problem. It's a serious problem. Because as Paul says, if somebody comes preaching another a gospel, preaching another Jesus, well, this is a different Jesus than we get in the Bible. You don't find Jesus being weak. And the only time we find the humanity of Jesus in the Bible is when he was on the cross. And this is, this is where he took on all the sins of man. But we don't find Jesus. Uh, in fact, Jesus actually taught the opposite to what the chosen says. He says, when you're brought in before magistrates and counsel, he said, don't worry about what you're going to say for the Holy Spirit will tell you what you're supposed to say when the time comes. And so this idea of Jesus rehearsing the Sermon on the Mount is, is I think, really, really bad because uh, it makes kind of a bumbling Jesus. And I have trouble with anything that diminishes the the, uh, majesty of Christ. And, um, you know, the thing is, like I say, people are believing what they're watching 
rather than the Bible. And then you tell them what the Bible says. They get mad at you. They don't want to hear what the Bible has to say because I saw it on TV and that makes it fact. Well, that's some pretty dangerous stuff. Now, um, Dr. Ted, as I was going to ask you, uh, the, this, the, the Genesis project, the movie Jesus was, was taken from about a six hour, uh, verse by verse outline from the book of Luke. I've actually watched it. The only thing you hear, the only thing you hear is the King James Bible being read to you. Meanwhile, the players are acting it out. Yeah. That is not, that's not the version that John Heyman did that they took out the Jesus film. That was a version that was bought uh, by a friend of mine who then he turned it into a, the verse for verse. So that's a later iteration of that. And that never succeeded. And the Genesis project never rece- uh, succeeded. John spent 60 plus million dollars on it and uh, lost all of that money that he had. Well, he had a lot of money. He did 120 Cannes Film Festival award-winning films. Wow. But if you look at the Genesis Project, it, the original, not the one you're talking about, um, which was done by Frank, um, it is very Jewish because that's what John was. Yeah, he always mm-hmm. complained about uh, Bill Bright, you know, trying to lead him to Christ because he didn't want to come to Christ, and the Jesus in. Um, the Genesis project that John did, the original one, the one that was done in the seventies, um, is very humanistic. It's, uh, and the one that was done for Jesus at Nazareth is very Gnostic. So it's the opposite. And they were both released within two years of each other. Oh, well, maybe I'm thinking of something else, but, uh, the, what my point is, is that they also did the book of Genesis. They did Genesis and Luke both. And I had both of those. It was on VHS. Something happened to him. I don't know. But as soon as I can find them, I want to make them available for all of our CSN listeners. But um, Jackie, I, 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 I can get them. I can get them to you because the producer is a friend. Um, oh, really? That's not the that's not the original uh, Genesis okay. project that John I'll, was doing. Dr. Ted, I'll get with you after the program and I'll 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 show you. I can give you the reference to look at of what I want to find. And I would love to get it and re-release it to all of our CSN listeners. I think it's so important because again, the book of Luke was fabulous. Uh, uh, they worked extra hard to make sure all the colors in the background were right. The buildings were correct. They did a lot of on scene. And so uh, I'll, I'll try to get that to you. And uh, maybe you can tell me or maybe you can find that for me and hook me up with the right people. Jackie, I hope that answers it for you. It did, sir, and I bless all of you. I thank you so much for CSN. You guys really make a difference, and prayers, prayers for everyone. Well, again, may the Lord keep you as well. Stay in line. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs, and the movie Jesus. I think you'll like that. Let's go to Charlotte in Arizona. Hi, welcome. Hello. Um, first, before my question, I'd love to tell everybody there is a great DVD movie uh, called Matthew. And I believe it was back in 2007. It goes word by word from the Gospel mm-hmm. of Matthew. And Wonderful. my question is, uh, yes, it really is. Um, I was, um, two Mormon people came up to me today and tried to witness to me. And in, re- in return, I tried to witness to them. Um, they were really good at taking a verse from the Bible 
and of course misinterpreting it through the Book of Mormon. Um, one of the things they were saying, I asked them, well, you believe you'll inherit your own planet? And they said, well, God says that we will be, we will inherit the kingdom of God. And I know that's not what it means, but another thing they said is in 1 Corinthians, it talks about three resurrections, and they think if somebody doesn't get it right this time, they'll, they'll have a, another chance after they die. So mm. what I need is I was wondering if you guys could send me something where I can show them the falsehood of it, because every time I said the Bible says this, they'll, they'll agree it says that, but then they give their own interpretation through the Book of Mormon. Well, a good place to go is Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. You want to write that down of this idea of many multiple chances of getting it right. The Bible teaches exactly the opposite. It says in verse 27, it's appointed that a man wants to die, and after that, the judgment. So it's pretty clear there's no reincarnate episodes, no praying Uncle Fred out of purgatory, no baptism for the dead, anything like that. It's appointed in the man once to die, and after that, the judgment. You never find anybody with more than one chance. There's a couple exceptions in the New Testament and in the Old Testament where Elijah brought a little boy back to life, as well as Jesus brought Jarius's daughter back to life who had died. Uh, the Bible says her spirit returned to her. Uh, but the idea of somehow coming back and burning off your bad karma uh, or these kinds of things, that's just not what the Bible says. Now, when it talks about inheriting heaven, that doesn't mean I, I inherit everything that that uh, God does, God possesses. Now all the angels in heaven are now all mine. No, that's not what it reads. This is how cults operate. They take one verse, build theologies upon it, without looking at the other verses that bring balance and clarity to that particular thought. And so this is why when you talk to people in the different cults, they use the same terminology, vernacular that we do, heaven, hell, salvation, Jesus, but with completely, completely different definitions. As an example, when you talk to a Mormon, when you say, well, let's pray, and they go, Father, we just, they are praying to Adam, the one who ate of the tree in the garden who fell. When the Mormons believe that God is Adam who fell in the garden. Now, that is not what the Bible teaches, because again, in their theology, everybody's going to inherit a planet, and you're going to be as gods, and you're going to take your celestial wives with you and all this you don't find that anywhere in the Bible. As a matter of fact, Isaiah 44 says, God says, I am God alone, and besides me there is no other, period. So the idea of multiple gods, this is not found in the Bible. And it's also not found in the Book of Mormon either. In fact, the Book of Mormon doesn't support 90% of, of Mormon theology. Uh, in other words, you're going to be a god yourself someday. Satan and Jesus are brothers, um, celestial marriage, um, all this kind of stuff, not found in the Book of Mormon. So I, I think it's really important because sometimes when they come to your door, they'll say things like, have you heard a, a, a new gospel of Christ or the restored gospel of Christ? 
Well, if nothing you have in your Book of Mormon represents your your uh, closest, dearest beliefs, they didn't restore anything. And this is what I believe is the great concern, because, again, you don't see a nice Christmas uh, commercial on TV with this nice-looking man with his hand on this girl's shoulder in the Christmas tree in the background. Would you like to more know more about Jesus Christ? Call this number on your screen. If they came on and said, we believe Satan and Jesus are brothers, call this number. Nobody would call. It's once they get you into these inner circles, then they reveal to you what they really believe. So their idea of salvation, their idea of who Jesus is, and Paul warns, be careful of another Jesus. Now, Jesus is God, according to Matthew chapter 1. But in the, in in Mormonism, Satan and Jesus are brothers. Now, God, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son. That in the Greek is exactly what it says. No other sons did God have. You, got, you either got to choose the Bible or these other books. And um, listen, it comes in many shapes, many different ways, a tweak here, a tweak there. But the idea is always to take away from the 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 authenticity of God's word. Brother Barry, you got any words? No, I'm just listening to what you're saying and agreeing with you. <laughs> so, but when you, when you everything you're saying, if you applied it to all of those 200 plus movies, uh, even the Matthew film, I mean, you've got to deal with you know how did they represent Jesus? Uh, did he have long hair, short hair? You read. Uh, biblical archaeology used do theology all the time. There's a lot of debate on all these. And the question is, what do you want as the image of God in your mind? So this, it's a very, very difficult question. That's why, you know, with any one of these, uh, movies and anything else, you've got to have somebody who's explaining it to you, who's talking to you. And that's what I like about what you're doing. You're doing a good job of unpacking it. Yeah, I, I just think that, that again, um, you know, we just, like I say, if people know the Bible, then these falsisms, whether they come from nicely dressed people in, in a tie at your front door or through your television in a TV series, it doesn't affect you. But if you don't know your Bible, you'll begin to believe this stuff. And again, I had a woman in our church come up and say, what disease did Matthew have? Matthew didn't have any diseases. Uh, and, and, uh, in fact, if, again, as you study scripture, you find Jesus healed anybody that he could come across. So we, we understand then that, that, uh, we have to be very, very careful because what you believe is how you live your life. And if you believe wrong, guaranteed you will live wrong. Charlotte, I hope that answers it for you. Uh, yes. When I mentioned to them, you know, that Jesus is part of the Trinity, they had to painful look that they got on their face. <laughs> well, that's what, if you read Matthew chapter 1, pick up a King James Bible, Matthew chapter 1, it says, and he shall be called Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. That's what Jesus is, God with us. In John eight fifty eight, Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. The next verse, it says, and they picked up stones to stone him. 
why he was claiming to be the I am that Moses spoke to in the Old Testament. It's a capital offense to claim to be God, carries the death sentence in Jewish tradition. And so when Jesus said that he was God, this is what got them so upset. And so understanding that he is God, and you'd be surprised how many people have such bad theology that attend church regularly because they go to churches where the pastor's a life coach. You go to churches where it's motivational speaking. You go to a church how to climb to the top and put Jesus in your pocket. All those things are not going to make any difference. What What's important is knowing God's Word. Jesus said this, and I know he's not much of an authority in the church anymore, but if we listen to what he said, he said, we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, again, God's Word, the Bible, is what we live by. If I don't see it there, first of all, I'm not obligated to teach it. Second of all, if it's not there, I'm not obligated by God to live it. So when the Bible tells us what he wants, how he wants it, hey, makes my life a lot easier to just do what he says. If you love me, keep my commandments, Jesus said. And then Jesus goes on in John chapter 12, and he says, and this is my commandment, that you love one another. How important it is. Now, love isn't just letting people do whatever they want. Oh, I love you, Johnny. I love you, Sally. If you want to break all the windows out of the house and throw the kitchen table out in the front yard, that's okay, because I love you. No, no. We understand that there are corrective things that we do when we love people, just as God corrects us. The Bible says if God doesn't correct us, we don't have a father. But the thing is, is that that's the thing. Jesus fulfilled the law then we fulfill what Jesus said. To love God with your all heart, mind, soul, and spirit, love your neighbor as yourself. Charlotte, stay online. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs, okay? Thank you. And uh, the movie Jesus as well. I think you'll like that. Let's go to John in uh, Georgia. Hi, welcome. Hello, uh, Pastor Mike. Uh, yes. I have a good question for you. I'll try and make it quick. Uh, I think these are from Revelation. Uh, where's the scripture in Revelation that says all things will be made new? And then if we are changed into a new and perfect body, how will we recognize one another? Will we have new names? And will we remember anyone or anything from our previous lives? And then here is uh, the second part of that would be, where is the scripture that says all things will be made known? Well, the, yeah. Um, well, um, let's see. I'll have to. I'll have to look that up. Uh, real quick, um, Doctor Ted, do you got any thoughts? Well, you're not going to be worried about uh, <laughs> your your death and your previous life. Jesus is going to wipe the tears from your eyes. You're going to be living in the kingdom of heaven. You're. You know, everybody who says, I've got some good big questions I'm going to ask Jesus when I get to, uh, you know, to the kingdom. You're not going to remember those questions because you're going to be overwhelmed to be in the presence of God and be in the presence of joy, the presence of peace. So I don't think that anything that happens here, which is our little kindergarten exercise, is going to apply to anything that we have when we get into the kingdom itself. Yeah, and and uh, all things made new. Uh, we find this in Revelation twenty one five uh, for that one. 
Now, what was the other ones you asked about? Uh, yeah, uh, like all things will be made known. Uh, isn't that also from Revelation? Yeah, okay, yes. And um, Philippians, um, we, we find a little bit of it in Philippians uh, chapter 4. Um, and um, let's see here. Um, hard for me to look up things while I'm on the air. <laughs> so bear with me. You're doing all. a great job. But um, uh, Luke eight seventeen. this is where everything that's concealed will be made known. So I don't know if that's the verse you're talking about. That's why I believe really it's important. Not only does Jesus forgive our sins, but he forgives our past. And friends, you don't want that put on a 3D Cinemascope uh, IMAX theater in heaven someday, all the things you did wrong. You want that those those things. Because, again, sin becomes part of us. Now, righteous becomes part of us, too. But when you do certain sins, it becomes part of you. You can be an alcoholic and watch it cut lines in your face. You can you can live a lascivious lifestyle and end up with more diseases than you could ever count. You you can you can uh, disregard uh, what people tell you about drugs and end up a junkie. You you the the Bible tells us these things because God loves us. He's not a cosmic killjoy. He wants to cause us to be aware that there's more that meets the eye. That God knows the end from the beginning. And when God says, since I live in all times present, I can tell you where that lifestyle will go in three, five, ten, your lifetime years, it's not going to be good. That's why God does those things. And so when somebody stands before God and says, well, I'm not that bad. I'm a pretty cool guy. God says, why should I let you in my kingdom? Instead of saying, well, Jesus died for my sins. I'm not that bad of a guy. I'm sure a lot better than the dude next door. All God has to say is roll the tape. And I'm afraid that uh, a lot of people will will be howling on that day. That's why we can know. The Bible says we have the assurance of salvation, that our sins are forgiven, that we're a new creature in Christ. And that, that is what we live for. So I hope that helps, John. Yes, it does. Uh, but you were saying all things will be made known. That's Philippians four seventeen. Yeah, and and um, let's see. The other one was Luke eight. For all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open. So that's Luke eight seventeen. Okay, Luke eight seventeen. I'm just jotting down the scriptures. Thank you so much for your help. John, God bless you. Thanks. If you get any more questions, call us. Uh, stay on the line. Send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs. I think you'll enjoy. With that, we'll go to Sean in Kalinga, California. Hi, welcome. Hi, Pastor. Um, I have a question to back up on uh, your last one of your callers, uh, Christopher, about the yes. strikes. And my question is, okay, let's, uh, let's take uh, Roe versus Wade. The person that, that came up with Roe versus Wade, the board millions of children in the past, if that person is on his deathbed and he, uh, he or she repents her sins and says, Jesus is Lord of all, is her sin, all them sins that she created are forgiven and, she'll re, and she will not go to hell? 
Yes, that's what the Bible says. If we'll confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Such as case in point, thief on the cross. Um, actually, the word in the, in the original language is more along the lines of robber. He was probably a violent thief. Um, thus, he was being crucified. And by the way, you didn't have to murder somebody in the Roman Empire to get the death sentence. Certainly, we see this with Jesus. Certainly, you see it with the thieves on the cross. Um, uh, they were very strict about their laws. They didn't have the runaway crime like we do in our in our world today. But the Bible says, if we'll confess our sins. And people say, well, I don't see how that's fair, because think of all the bad things they did. But in God's great picture, he makes all things new. And I have to just take God's word for it. If there's breath in us to confess with our mouth and with our heart that Jesus uh, is Lord, uh, that we believe that he died for our sins, we're forgiven. And Sean, that's the best news that I could ever share. Um, I, I, you got any thoughts? Yeah. Well, the... Um... Everybody who sees God in the Bible, Isaiah is a good example. It's called the penitent prophet uh, prayer. As soon as he sees God, he's overwhelmed. And he says, I'm a man of unclean lips. And then the seraph touches his lips with the coal. He immediately confesses. He doesn't have to think about it. He knows. And Moses knows. And Paul knows. So that penitent prophet prayer, once you see God, you're going to be convicted. Uh, And he's forgives you and he's going to see his son Jesus Christ so you know you're going to be just overjoyed with the fact that you know who you are and he loves you in spite of who you are and you're going to be convicted you don't need to have somebody you know wagging a finger at you because you'll know that I'm a man of unclean lips or whatever the sin you committed which most of us have committed a lot of those sins yeah and and um all sin is against God. How many lies do you got to tell to be a liar? Just one. How many murders you got to commit to be a murderer? Just one. Um, yep. All those things, see, but God forgives us. Sean, I hope that helps. It did help. Thank you, pastors. Really appreciate Sean, I got you. a little um, book. I got, I got a little book I wrote called Time to Grow, and I want you to, I really want you to have that. So you stay on the line, and I'll get that out to you because it answers a lot of these kind of questions. But God's forgiveness is for all of us today if we'll call on his name. So good news. You know, uh, Dr. Ted, we're almost out of time. I just want to once again let everybody know about your website, movieguide.org. So important in uh, in this world that we live in to know what's good and what's bad. Because some things are portrayed as good and they're laced with witchcraft and all kinds of crazy stuff. Yep. And all of the, uh, everything we've been talking about. We need somebody to give us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. That's why preaching comes through the Word. The Word of God is what convicts us and changes us and transforms us. And you're doing that, so thank you. Dr. Ted, thank you for being with us today. Please call us back. If you didn't get on today, we'll put you on first thing tomorrow. So until then, may the Lord keep you in His love. Keep looking up. Our redemption draws nigh. Good night. To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226.
Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 